the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. For more on the assembled socialists in Iowa, we're pleased to be joined by our friend Rich Lowry. He's the editor of National Review, nationalreview.com. Rich, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. So um, how about that uh, news out of Iowa? We'll get to some news today, but the news out of Iowa that uh, Joe Biden, as some predicted, may have uh, reached his high watermark right out of the gate and is starting to make his way back to the rest of the field. Yeah, certainly giving away some ground, and clearly the front runner. You know, you'd rather be ahead than behind at any juncture, but he's soft. His supporters aren't as enthusiastic as the supporters of the other candidates. His supporters are more likely to do this virtual caucusing, a new thing in Iowa where they'll literally let you phone it in rather than showing up at the caucus meetings. That's also a sign of enthusiasm. So the problem for Biden is kind of the, the problem any really traditional conventional party establishment frontrunner has, which is that his main argument is, I've been around for a long time, I'm experienced, you can trust me, and I'm electable. And that, that electability, which we're told, and I believe, you know, told by people who know more about Democratic politics than I do, is really important to Democrats this year. It's a fragile quality. You know, you have a lot of stumbles the way he did last week over the Hyde Amendment. You lose some early caucuses or primaries. You no longer look so electable. So it's, it's little, literally kind of a, uh, a quality that, uh, uh, builds on itself. And if you, if you begin to give it away, there's nothing else to uh, to, uh, to support you, right? Because no one's supporting you because of your ideology. No one's supporting you because you're exciting them. They're, they're just supporting you because they think you're an electable candidate. So he's, he's a front runner, but a vulnerable one. And, and so you have sort of in that first tier, you've got uh, uh, Comrade Bernie's to sticking around. You've got Elizabeth Warren, who sort of made her way back just on the pure volume of activity and policy proposals, I suppose. And then you have this uh, this mannequin who escaped the Macy's in the Mishwaka <laughs> men's department, uh, who is uh, this guy, Pete Buttigieg, uh, who uh, it just sort of exists because of temperament. I mean, give me your handle on Mayor Pete. Well, I think he's, he's lit up a segment of the Democratic Party, and it's the white, elite, liberal very progressive element of the party, kind of that the Howard Dean element of the party. Howard Dean lit up for a while in 2004. It's the kind of part part of the party that Barack Obama would have been limited to if he wasn't black. Uh, that that's what allowed Obama to beat Hillary in 08. Is that he he wedded this part of the Democratic Party with uh, African Americans, which are hugely important. And the thing about Mayor Pete, he has zero support among African Americans. Now he's really high on my list. Uh, the Democrats I would like to see nominated for Trump's purposes. Because I, I think you know, Trump could get double-digit black support running against Pete Buttigieg because they, they, they don't find him very appealing. And I hate to say it, that the uh, gay marriage aspect uh, of his life is not going to be a, a appealing to a lot of African-American voters. And, and one thing that's uh, counter to what conventional wisdom might have been in the past about the Democratic Party 
African Americans are the moderates. <laughs> the moderates yeah, right. The yeah. Now. It's it's the woke the woke liberals, white liberals who are really crazy and dragging them to the left. And they, they see a lot they like in, in Pete Buttigieg. That's a good point. Now the the flip side, you probably you haven't seen this. Uh Buttigieg was drinking a forty ouncer out of a brown paper bag with a couple of African American <laughs> yeah, gentlemen. That'll do it. So that'll that, take care of his problem. So he's he showed <laughs> no up that black vote. <laughs> he shored that up. So authentic. Yeah, it's like Michael Dukakis <laughs> in the tank. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's how he hangs, you know, probably in a convenience store parking lot where he spends his weekends yeah, in course, South Bend. All the time, this Harvard-educated guy, that's, that's what, he, what he likes to do on the, late on Friday nights. Oh, uh, golly. Um, all right, so uh, on the, the Hill... fortified wine that he was drinking, can we get more stereotypical? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it, no, it's, it's not insulting at all. Uh, less like yeah. you think that's insulting. Uh, let, I want to take you to the Hill because uh, the uh, D.C. press corps is all a flutter that John Dean, Nixon's former counsel, is going to testify. And I'm sure he's going to characterize Bob Mueller as some sort of Archibald Cox, even though Mueller was never fired. Uh, that uh, combined with the news out uh, just a couple of hours, that bar. And the House Democrats have struck a deal on the Mueller evidence that they'll get access to, so uh, Barr doesn't have to go to Nadler Prison. Um, the, the, the state of play with with respect to all of this and, and the impeachment issue, from your perspective. Well, the, well, the John Dean thing just seems ridiculous. What, they're they're going to get to the bottom of Nixon's you know cover ups through via John <laughs> Dean. I mean, besides that, he's just a, a liberal commentator. You know, they might as well have Rachel Maddow testifying, and the. The agreement with Barr just shows that, despite the you know Jerry Nadler and others saying we're in a constitutional crisis, we're in a negotiation between the executive branch and the legislative branch, uh, and these sort of um, privileged disputes happen all the time. And uh, Barr, I guess, concluded that uh, legally uh, withholding all the evidence probably wouldn't um, stand up, so they they forged an agreement to give them the underlying evidence. Now, the idea that they're damning things in the underlying evidence that are going to cinch this case that Robert Mueller and Andrew Weissman and all the rest of them just left on the cutting room floor is completely absurd. And this is the thing on impeachment. They have all the evidence they need. You know, Mueller gathered it all. The executive branch gathered it all and handed it over in a public report, but they don't want to impeach because it's bad politics probably, and it's going to go nowhere in the Senate. So instead, we're we're engaged in all the shadow boxing where they you know have to threaten to arrest Bill Barr and Don Jr. and all the rest of it as as a kind of a misdirection to show their base they're fighting when they they really just don't want to do what their base really desperately wants to do, and that's impeach the president. Uh, I wanted to get your uh, take on on this New York Times piece over the weekend. I just have to get your take on this. I mean, you're never surprised, but yet, boy, this is really creative. The making of a YouTube radical, the photo gallery of the the, the various individuals who radicalize people online to the right, according to the New York Times, one of them being Nobel laureate Milton Friedman. Uh, So uh, uh, Phil Donahue apparently has a lot to apologize for, for aiding and abetting Milton Friedman all those years. But but I mean, the New York Times, Milton Friedman, Jordan Peterson, these are uh, apparently members of the alt-right. Yeah, and it just goes to show if there's any medium or outlet that... Uh, conservatives can use successfully to get their message out. And the most prominent uh, public example, obviously, is Fox News. The left hates it. 
and they want to shut it down. And uh, uh, we, we see it with Fox all the time. We see it with social media. And I just think the problem, though, is that social media companies are responsive to this sort of thinking. And we, we've seen you know, they have non-transparent standards for uh, who can stay on, who's going to get knocked off. And clearly they're getting worked by the left. And they're knocking people off now for things they do, do outside of the, the platforms themselves. And they've lost a huge amount of credibility among conservatives at a time when they're going to face real serious antitrust action in Washington. So I I think it's just been uh, – they've done themselves a catastrophic disservice the last couple of years. But now – and this was pointed out, uh, Andrew Yang, uh, he's the Democrat candidate who's against circumcision, if you're scoring at home. Uh, He was on – I mean, he seriously is. I don't know know why that's important, but it is to him. So, hey, great. Um, He was on with Bill Maher over the weekend, and he has a tech background, and he basically argued that – the the calls of people like Elizabeth Warren to break up Facebook, to break up Apple. Uh, these are 20th century solutions to 21st century problems. You don't really develop what that exactly means. But uh, but but your take on some of the calls, including from the right, that, hey, look, uh, these are public places of accommodation. These are virtual lunch counters. And uh, the government needs to, needs to intercede when they ban Steve Crowder or Dennis Prager University videos or what have you. So I'm open. I'm not there yet. I want to, want to hear what it is specifically and what the potential downsides are. But I'm open to some sort of carrot and stick approach to try to get these companies to adopt a First Amendment-based approach to speech. Whereas you, if you legitimately incite, threaten, you're off. But otherwise, you're on. And, you know, just a standard that everyone can understand and works across these platforms. I'm very skeptical of more far-reaching action, though. I don't think breaking up these companies uh, makes much sense. I I think, in particular, Amazon, which is uh, grouped in with a lot of these companies, has been an enormous good to the American economy and is actually driving productivity gains and efficiency gains across all of retail. That's really important. But Facebook, you know, I just have a hard time understanding what the utility of it is. I, I know it's it's useful to some people in keeping up uh, with long-lost friends and high, high school graduates and all the rest of it, but I just think people who spend hours on it, it's, it's really a bad thing. And uh, I, I wish people would do less of that, and I wish the company would make it less appealing for people to do that, but of course that's their business model. They want people to stay on forever. You uh, gather all their information, be a little squirrely about how you're using it, and uh, use that to make billions, while at the same time you're saying all you're about is saving the planet and connecting people. Well, now, you know, the interesting thing and the rather ironic thing is uh, the, the report was, there was a report, at least somebody told me, that that Mark Zuckerberg talked to Donald Trump on election night in 2016 and said that uh, his campaign ran the most effective Facebook campaign he's seen by a political campaign to date. So how important Facebook and social media was for Trump to get around, obviously Twitter, to get around the D.C. press corps. In addition to that, there's this interesting piece out this weekend by Ben LeBolt, who is a former uh, press flack for Obama saying basically Trump is using the same playbook and he talks specifically about how much Trump the Trump campaign is promoting its message uh, on social media campaigns he uh, said Trump is outspending Democrats six to one on video ads the primary digital engagement tool for voters today talking about YouTube but not exclusively YouTube so to some extent as much as there's complaint from the center right about social yep. media uh, so, uh, operations like Trump's are using social media effectively 
Yeah, that's a great point. But that's been another count against these companies on the left, is that Trump used it. And right. they've been blamed for the Russian interference. And I don't like the Russians interfering in our election. I think the hacks, you know, obviously criminal acts. But just Russians buying social media ads that don't have much impact did not have a huge effect on the election. But that's just another case of the left not being able to accommodate what happened in 2016 and looking for people to blame. And the social media companies have, have been caught up in, in that crossfire. And again, too reactive to it and getting pushed around too much by the left, I think. I wanted to uh, also get your take. Uh, your uh, colleague at NationalReview.com, David French, wrote about this this uh, 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 Barnell Stutzman case, the Washington State florist, after uh, not getting the same treatment at the state Supreme Court level that ultimately Jack Phillips, the cake maker in Colorado, got uh, at the Supreme Court. Um, and the importance of religious liberty that's going to be tested again, if uh, not this session, but uh, in forthcoming Supreme Court sessions. Yeah, so the Supreme Court decision about the Christian Baker in Colorado, I believe, was kind of right. unsatisfactory. It wasn't wasn't a full-throated defense of his First Amendment rights. So David's hoping that another case goes up there and you see something that that is more comprehensive. And there's been this big debate on the right last two weeks or so. Do we defend the liberal order, or is the liberal order a threat to us, and we need to work around it and impose our own values? And I just think as a practical matter, we're, the liberal order is what we have, and the best defense we have against repression that is directed at us is the First Amendment and other rights that are embedded in this liberal constitutional order that our founders created. And we just have to use it to the utmost, but be clear-eyed about what's happening. I mean, these these folks on the left, they're not going to go away. They're going to try to, uh, you know, harass. You know, you're just a, a baker doesn't want to bake a cake for uh, a gay wedding, and they, they take that as a reason to try to crush you. And we have to, uh, in the culture, uh, push back about that as strongly as possible at the same time we try to defend the rights of these people. Well, right, and Jack Phillips, Masterpiece Cake Shop in, in uh, Denver, uh, he's facing his third lawsuit. Despite yeah. having a Supreme Court opinion in his favor, in his back pocket, they're still coming at him, coming into the store, trying to cook up a rationale to uh, provide a basis for a discrimination suit. And this, by the way, and this has been sort of underreported, this, by the way, Jack Phillips, not just gay weddings, he wouldn't make cakes for Halloween. He wouldn't make cakes for stag parties. So there's a consistency with respect to his Christian beliefs that's been underreported in all of the coverage. Yeah, and you just think, and this is, uh, we've seen an erosion of culture of free speech in this country that's very disturbing. It started obviously in college campuses, but you see it, see it kind of leaking over into real life in a case like this. Someone doesn't want to bake you a cake for your gay wedding. You say, okay, too bad for you, right? I'm sorry you're so intolerant or whatever. I'll walk across the street to the other baker who will bake the cake. And it's not as though, you know, florists and bakers are, are uh, you know, these, these uh, all of them yeah. are, are, are right-wing Christians who don't want to bake or, you know, uh, make arrangements for weddings. So there, there's no harm. And that the idea that they would go out and target this guy who's completely sincere and driven by his conscience in the way he operates is disgusting. Rich Lowry, editor of NationalReview.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Dan Proft in for Dennis Brady. Hey, thanks for having me, Dan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.